Welcome to the Living Savior Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for our worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at lsavior.org. Thank you for joining us today. Some things are just easier said than done. You've undoubtedly said that. You've undoubtedly heard that. And what it means is that to say something and then to do that very thing are often vastly different things. Because whatever that thing is, as is clear in the phrase, it's very difficult to do. You can see this just in soccer camp with kids. All right, everybody, line up. You can see this when you talk to one of the coaches. Just get your kids into a group. (laughs) Have you ever tried that? Herding cats is a label that may or may not apply. All right, kids, take turns before you grab a water balloon or a squirt gun. Of course, all things are easier said than done. And this isn't just true for kids at camp. This is true for all people, period. If you are, for example, driving down the road and, oh, just for the sake of kicks, let's say it's Hendersonville Road on Friday afternoon, and you have the road rage monsters, and then you have the tailgaters, and then the brake testers in front of you, and then the lollygaggers who like the left lane, my favorite, it would be wise advice for somebody to tell you, just be patient. But that's obviously easier said than done. If somebody is sad and the waterworks have started, you can say, don't cry. If somebody has been hurt, you can say, don't be discouraged. If somebody is really stressed, you can say, don't worry. But in all of those cases and contexts, the reality is probably not going to change because it's easier said than done. So, when you hear God tell you today, when you hear God say, He's a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. We will not fear. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You're just able to do that. Or is that another one of those things that's kind of easier said than done? I mean, think about it. When was the last time you were really able to just be still? And I don't mean that you found your favorite spot where you've kind of made the indent in your recliner and you were able to put your foot up and you were physically still. I'm talking about no phones, no notifications, no one to bother you, no nothing, and you were not just physically, but emotionally, relationally, and spiritually still. Do you know the last time that happened? If you're one of the parents from soccer camp this week and we sent your kids hopped up on popsicles, stillness was not a thing for you. But largely, stillness is something that's very difficult. I mean, look at your life. Schedules are slammed and calendars are crammed. When was the last time you were able to take it out of fifth gear and pop it into one or neutral? Do you remember when? Some of you are wincing, which means I don't think I'm alone and struggling to find the last time. And it's not just the regular hectic pace of life. It's that we often experience the very things that this lesson talks about when life itself actually turns upside down. Because what do you do when it seems like the waters are roaring and foaming around you, usually in the form of you being beaten up at work or maybe battered at home emotionally, if not worse? 
When the barrage and the waves of medical bills and medical visits and one medical issue after the other is, seems to be just endless as it is daunting, what about when what seems to be, or at least should be, sure footing underneath your feet is like a mountain crumbling into the heart of the sea? The, the people that you count on, they are the bedrock, right? Your family and your friends suddenly decide that they're going to stab you in the back. Or the finances, that, that nest egg that, that should have always been there suddenly dissolves. What about then? You see, it's not just that God tells us to be still. It's the context in which he tells us to be still. He doesn't say, when you're on vacation and you kind of, the only thing you really hear is the water lapping up against the boat or the dock, wherever you are, or the shore, then be still and know that I am God. No, when does he actually say to be still, to actually chill out a second? We will not fear. Then what does he say? Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, it is precisely when life is turned upside down that God tells you through the sons of Korah who were inspired to write this psalm, we will not fear. So is that another one of those things that's kind of easier said than done? Because the, kind of, the implicit question that we ask is, well, how is it that you expect me to do that? And you know what? God doesn't really tell you how. Not exactly, at least. I mean, we know he gives us some hints in Scripture, like the first psalm that we have recorded tells us that we will experience a type of stillness and peace when we are like a tree planted by the streams of the living water of the word of God. It, he tells us in the, elsewhere in the scripture, like in Ephesians 6, when we guard ourselves with the belt of truth and the shield of faith and we are on guard against opponents that are physical and enemies that are spiritual, we will, we will then behind that protection find peace, a type of stillness. He tells us to pray continually, but he doesn't exactly tell us how it all works out. You even see this with Jesus. Do you remember that long conversation he had, John 14 to John 16, last moments with his disciples before he would be handed over and suffer and die? And he said things to them, not, not exactly how it would all get fixed, but he said things like this, trust in God, trust in me. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I will overcome this world. Wait, Jesus, how, how is that? Trust in God. No, but how are you going to, just trust in me. You see, God doesn't necessarily tell us how, and the same is true in our lesson. The waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. They crumble into the heart of the sea. He doesn't exactly tell us how it all exactly works out because he just tells us where to turn and where we're going to find it. In other words, where we find stillness is where we find him. Because what is the very next thing that he says? Almost as if he's anticipating that this tumultuous terror and this calamitous tragedy around these people and every people of all time are only going to continue and then he interjects, there is a river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. Where is he? See, it's not how you find peace or stillness because we don't necessarily know all the ins and outs. We can't comprehend that, but it is when we know where to turn and we know where God is. Where is God in the next verses? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her. 
at break of day. The, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In other words, my friends, while you and I do not know how God takes care of every last concern and solves every last struggle, he does tell us where to turn. And that's just the beginning. Do you struggle to acknowledge that? That the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Even when you look at the future and you see nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, have you looked at the political climate in our country? What about throughout the world? Does it look like things are getting any better? So long as people trust in kings and princes and nations and politics, how is that working? It's not a sustainable model, so says history. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall regardless of where you are and where you place your trust. And what happens? Helis' voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It doesn't matter what is going on in your life. It doesn't matter how terrifying the world might be, how calamitous the tragedy might appear. He doesn't tell you how it's all going to be reconciled. He simply tells you where to turn. What is the refrain? The Lord Almighty is, where is he? The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In other words, God is on our side. Do you struggle to acknowledge that? Is that difficult for you to acknowledge? It's true whether or not we recognize it because God doesn't ask for our permission to do or say whatever he says or does. But is that easy for you to recognize and realize in your life that regardless of what's happening, God is on your side? I, I have to be honest with you. I, I don't always feel that way. And I don't always see the world that way. It, it wasn't that many years ago when I was pretty worried about several things. And first of all, the hardest thing for us sometimes to admit is that we're afraid. To actually openly say, even if just to ourselves and to God, if not to someone else, you know what, I'm, I'm just scared. I'm just scared. And I've looked at the circumstance in life and it seemed like there was an onslaught of, and barrage of things from every angle. And I kind of was tempted when I remembered passages like this to say, yeah, but God, were you, were you considering this scenario? I know what you're saying, but like this scenario is kind of a little bit different, isn't it? Be still and when it seems like the insults keep on coming, not just to me, but to my family, to the ones that I love, fine, I have tough skin, but my family, my friends, people that I love, when it's like waves beating against the shore that would cause a mountain to crumble, what, really? Were you thinking of that? What about when, when it seems like a sure footing of health is an issue as people that I love, friends that I have, their children, you, some of you members have been knocked on your back, really? When, when even some of those closest to me have been called home to heaven and I could say to God, <laughs> Really? Are you sure that you are thinking of this scenario right here and right now? When I just got a phone call and I just read that email and I just got off the phone yesterday with, and not to mention I was just talking with a loved one before. Because it really doesn't, and he says yes. He says yes, be still. He doesn't ask you to take your human-sized brain and grasp the divine-sized plan. 
as if that were possible. He simply just tells you, be still. And there's this beautiful word picture. It's uh, just kind of dropping your arms. That's what, that's what that word means. Rafa, just give up. It's to your enemies, those that are opposing you, it, it's kind of a word for them. D- drop all your weapons. Just drop it. And to you who might be struggling with God yourself because you think you can fix it, like we talked about in our children's message, you're tough enough. It doesn't matter if your, your, your guards, your protection, your defense is a little bit broken. You can, you can do it. it. God says, cut it out. Just chill. Just be, just be still. And this is a difficult thing, isn't it? Because not only do we want to know how everything is taken care of, but we want to know why God would tell us to do this and why these things are happening to us in the first place. And, and right when he talks about the future and how all the nations are in uproar, kingdoms, kingdoms fall, and right when it seems like God is anticipating that we're going to ask, yeah, but God, why? Because it's not just that there is struggle, and that is true, but that it is true, and it is for me and you. It's that the struggle has met your reality. It's that you woke up in the morning and you wish that it were a nightmare, but it's not. It's real. And right when God anticipates that question, right then he says, no, shh, be still. And it's not so much in the words that he says verbally, but the structure in which he says it. There's a break. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Just drop it. Just be still. Is that an easy thing to do with your fears? even though God has told you all that he has told you? I mean, this is the type of God we have. He invites people to come and see the desolations that he has made. And if you were one of the original hearers, you could think of some just in recent history. Like, oh, how about the time when the army of David slaughtered Philistines more than they ever should have been able to, physically, reasonably speaking? Or some commentators think this was maybe written around 700 BC, which was when Sennacherib and the Assyrians were surrounding Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, while God's people were asleep at night, the angel of the Lord wiped out 185,000 people. One of the lessons we heard about this week, is God not on your side? Is God not on your side when you're outnumbered? Is God not on your side when it seems like the obstacle is insurmountable? Is God not on your side? Come and see the desolations when when the people of God woke up that morning and they walked out and the only thing that they could see were the remains and they had to take care of bodies. And what do you do with 185,000 sets of shields and spears and bows and swords? You just, as the psalmist kind of said, burn them up with fire. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In other words, my friends, God is on your side. And that might seem like something that is really easy to say, especially for some preacher on a Sunday morning. It's a much more difficult thing to do come Monday or Wednesday or the next time you get the phone call, the diagnosis, the word, or the experience yourself. But you know the greatest way that God is on your side is that he actually deals with your fears. Look at what he does with the fears. I mean, what, what is, he doesn't just say these things happen and ignore them. What does he do with the waters and the mountains crumbling? 
He compares that temporary triviality to the eternity of the river running through the city of God where peace and joy have no end and trouble does not exist. What does he say about nations and uproar and kingdoms falling? He says he lifts his voice and the earth melts. What does he say about the, 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 the bows and the spears and the shield? He, they, they just end up burned with fire. Where are all those war tools still today? They're gone. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, the greatest way that God is on your side is that he doesn't just tell you you have fears and he tells you to get over it. He recognizes your fears and he actually deals with them. And the greatest way that God is on your side is by dealing with the root cause of it all. Tell me, are we supposed to exist in a world that operates this way? When you read the newspaper, if you still do that, or you watch the news, isn't there something inside of you that says this place is messed up? And it's not just everywhere and everyone else. We look at the pain and the calamity that we maybe have even caused in our own life, and we say, this, is, this isn't the way life is supposed to be. And guess what? You're right. That's not the way that God designed it. But the sin that was created in the beginning has been perpetuated and permeated throughout our existence. This is our condition. Can you rid yourself of it? You can't, which proves it's our condition. And it's only separated us from God, but God was not content to leave us apart from him because he only and always wanted to be on our side. And so he doesn't tell you exactly how absolutely everything is taken care of except for the most important things you need to know, like where to turn. So where does he tell you to turn? Well, where else can you turn to find someone who can lift just a word, just a word, and legalistic religious persecutors drop their weapons, their stones? He speaks just a word on the night of his betrayal, and everyone drops not just their weapons, but they drop like dead men. Where else do you find someone who stands up in the boat, sleeping through a storm as if it's a big deal, and he opens his mouth, and creation responds to its maker's voice and listens. Where else do you find someone who opens up his word to you and to me and all people, and he dispels the doubts and fears and brings release to those who are downtrodden and depressed? Where else do you find someone who invites you to come and see where the desolation has been made around the city of God, where there's a bloodstained cross and an empty grave, where the greatest battle that won the ultimate victory happened? Where else? Who else? It's no wonder we call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, my friends, God is on our side. Jesus Christ my friends, Jesus Christ, God's own son, is the one who came into this world to welcome the barrage of all sin and to become the compilation of every sinner so that on the cross he would pay for your guilt and forgive you for your fears just as he forgives me for my worries. Jesus Christ is the one who hung on the cross and was still amid the storm and rage and wrath of God's anger so that you and I would never have to experience that. Jesus Christ, God's own son, is the one who hung on the cross and he took a spear that had not been shattered yet to his side and blood and water flowed so you would know the payment is secured and he died so you might live. And so he's been exalted, right? There's no one else who's been exalted from the grave so you would know that death is not your end. There's no one else who's been exalted to the right hand of the Father so you would know that he has everything under control and he loves you now just as he always will. 
So when you are about to question God's love or his control or both, don't think that you will know all of the why and all of the how. Just know where to turn and where God is. The Lord Almighty is... The Lord Almighty is us, with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In other words, God is on our side. We weren't designed to face fears like this. And it's worse when you and I face them. I mean, it's one thing when you and I face them. It's even worse when we see children face them. I mean, when you listen to just some conversations, whether at Jesus time or in the soccer field, when kids are talking about parents with cancer and diabetes, or hospital stays, or divorce, or car crashes, or loved ones who are dying or who are already dead, it's one thing when adults can talk about those things. It's another thing when you get to hear children, and yes, I said it right, get to hear children talk about it. This is not what God designed, is it? But God only allows them and you and me to experience those things for one reason and one reason alone. Not so that we would sugarcoat it and tell kids that it gets better when they get older. You know better. Not so that we would just say, oh, it's all happy, clappy, walking through a field of daisies, everything works out in the end, that doesn't work. And there's no proof to that. But so we would tell them that there is a God who loves them forever and sent his son to bring them back. A God who is on their side. So there's an answer to fear and an answer for guilt. It's the grace of God and the forgiveness of his son. There's an answer to death. There's an answer for our purpose in life and in eternity. It's the resurrection of Christ, certifiably, verifiably true. You and I don't have to know how. We just need to know where to turn. And this might be easier said than done, but my friends, when you remember that God is on your side, then you know that God, and only with God, are things just as easily done as they are said. Because God is on your side. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our sermon webcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Kerbis. To discuss today's sermon or to discover more about our ministry, visit our website at lsavior.org. Thank you again for joining us, and may God bless your day.